Depends on how you define the term. And that's what's tricky about it. I think to me, my goal has always been to inform people, help engage them with climate issues, and hopefully find some common ground between people more on the left and people more on the right, which um, at least in terms of talking to friends and feedback from listeners, that's kind of what I'm accomplishing. So in terms of specific solutions to climate, I really don't have much stake in it. I want us to do something, but whatever that may be, fine with as long as everyone else is and as long as it's making progress. You are listening to the Sustainably Circular podcast. This show is dedicated to the circular economy and how with a few key changes, you can help create a more sustainable world. No scare tactics, no shame. If we are going to do this, we need everyone actively engaged, on board, and including you. Your host is no other than Andy Streisfeld, who is the co-founder and partner at MEA Health, Canada's first stop for PPE recycling. You are here for one thing, to better understand the circular economy and your role in it. Every episode, we dive into the key issues around sustainability and the circular economy so that you can lead others in this new world. So tune into the show, turn up the music volume, and let's get to it. Good Wednesday morning and welcome back to the Sustainably Circular podcast. I'm your host, Andy Streisfeld, dealing with everything, dealing with circular economy and sustainability. I have a great guest lined up today. And uh, I really enjoyed his show. Ethan Brown is the host of The Sweaty Penguin, Antarctica's hottest program podcast. And I have him here in the studio as a guest. And uh, Ethan, thank you very much for being with us today. Oh, thank you for having me. Is there a song or a saying or a lyric or, or a cliche that you use that drives you in what you do? I'm going to give you a climate focused one, but then I'm going to give you one that's actually more about how I live my life. So climate one was from BU professor who we had on the podcast, Adil Najim. He said on our podcast, he said, climate change is not a future problem anymore. And that was a very early episode. I think that's really driven a lot of our urgency and a lot of how we think about climate solutions. And I'm sure we'll get into that more today in terms of what kind of drives me. This goes back to high school track. I really enjoyed running track in high school. And our team had this saying, if you throw 45, don't expect your opponent will throw 44. If they throw 50, you throw 51. So this is in reference to the shot put. And it's a little cryptic, but basically a 50-foot shot put throw is a really far throw for a high schooler. And the idea was... You want to do what's in your control. You don't want to expect another person to not live up to their expectations so you can beat them. You want to beat them with your own volition. And that obviously drove me through track, thinking about running and all that. But I think it drives me in life in general. And even thinking about climate change, a lot of climate solutions I see put out there along the lines of, we need everybody to do this, or if everybody would just do this, then blah, blah, blah. To me, that isn't a complete solution. You need to think about what can you control? How can 
your solution actually be driven by you and create change. So that's uh, that's my other quote. And it drives that. It drives just my motivation to succeed. And it drove me as an athlete in high school. Well, that's, that is fantastic. And that actually answers a lot of questions because, you know, how does one become the number one, you know, hottest podcast in Antarctica? It must be a lot of competition in that radio space there. And the premise of, of the sweaty penguin intrigues me. You're making climate change a laughing matter. And I think sometimes we get lost in the seriousness of, of what we do. And I know I've, I've criticized a lot of climate change people. I've, I've actually criticized the way here we do it in Canada, that we're all chasing this Paris Accord number, the COP26 number. Uh, it's doom and gloom. Jobs are going to be lost. But I, what I like about your show and what I like about you personally is you're taking it in a different direction. It's not doom and gloom. So let's talk more about the, the Sweaty Penguin, Antarctica's hottest podcast. Uh, where did it come from and where is it going? Yeah. So growing up, I was not an outdoorsy person at all. I Even sports didn't really get into till late middle school into high school. I think it took me a long time to actually get into climate change. When I first learned about it, I was scared. I was overwhelmed. But I wasn't interested. And I saw it was so important that as I was going into college, I was going for film and television at the time. And I thought, if I'm going to be a storyteller, I need a story to tell. This seems really important. So I kind of started taking some classes and it really, I had to kind of force myself to get interested and certainly having great professors helped with that. But in these classes, I started to learn that a lot of what I was just overwhelmed by maybe wasn't Maybe I wasn't understanding it quite right. There were so many more solutions than I realized all across the political spectrum. It wasn't this insanely politicized issue that it's, at least in the States, but certainly all over the world, made out to be. And so I started developing this communication style where I was trying to figure out how can I talk about this in a way that's less overwhelming and less politicized. And that ended up leading into The Sweaty Penguin. Uh, we launched in early quarantine. It was first time I had some free time and I was a junior in college at the time, uh, put together a small team. We thought it would just be our little hobby, but turned into a real thing. Today was our, well, today being when we're recording, our Lab Grown Meat episode was our 100th overall episode. So that's a pretty cool milestone. I'm, I'm clapping silently to a pat of, give, give yourself a pat on the back on there. That is <laughs> that is something, uh, an achievement. So, so here in Canada, we tune in to public television across our borders. We see PBS. We we know uh, of WNET from anywhere from watching old Reading Rainbows and Sesame Street episodes to Bob Ross. Um, how does it feel be, being uh, a partner and being actually affiliated with the public broadcast system in the United States and with WNEP and, and where's the future? Like, where are you going in the future? Like, are we, are, are we going to see you on broadcast television very soon? Oh, let's weld that into existence. <laughs> yeah. It's been really great to work with PBS's national climate initiative, Peril and Promise, which as you say is hosted through WNET. They've been a great partner. We joined with them in April of 2021. And it was really a situation where we'd been doing this for a little while. I kind of realized if we want this to continue, we need actual funding. And so I had interned with the multi-platform initiatives there, of which Parallel Promise is one of them. 
in 2019. So I had that relationship. I reached out and I was like, hey, I know you guys have been a little low on content because of the pandemic. We're making this really cool podcast and we need money. So maybe there's room for collaboration. And we launched this partnership and it's really, really grown over uh, the last almost year. Um, And it's been great to have that, obviously have that name, be able to be on pbs.org, but also just the credibility that comes with that is really exciting for me, especially being so young in this space to have kind of a trusted name underneath what I'm doing. I know that a lot of um, listeners of our show are going to want to tune into your show and I'm endorsing it because it was very entertaining. And I, and before we go on to, I, I'm just, I'm just intrigued with the way messages are sent, you know, because you're a screenwriter as well and you're a writer and I, I see you were a journalist as well. So again, I asked the question, you're patterning this tongue in cheek, the satire off of late night television. Um, who's influencing you? What, where did you where did you want it to go and where does it stop really? Because like I said, you've had some fantastic guests come in and talk about a lot of serious issues. Like we're talking about brownfields, we're talking about economic recovery, uh, we're talking about the climate change numbers that are out there. And then just recently you're talking about lap meat. And we just were joking about it off air when we started this. But who influenced you? Where 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 did you get this idea of marrying, you know, comedy and satire with, you know, the the trials and tribulations of today's problems? So I had run both my high school and college satire publications, and those were both amazing experiences. This summer going into college, I had actually started a satire blog called The Sweaty Penguin. That was where the name originated. And my dad thought of the name at the time. He always wants me to give him credit for that. So there you go. And I was doing sort of onion style articles about environmental news. And that was really good experience. I learned a lot, but people didn't follow environmental news, so they didn't get the jokes. So I realized that format wasn't working, even though that was what I knew best. In quarantine, I went on the same YouTube dive everyone did and was watching some John Oliver and Hassan Minaj. And that was where I had the idea that the Sweaty Penguin could be a podcast and sort of take inspiration from that format where you dive into a particular topic, you incorporate jokes as much as you can, but really trying to understand an issue in its entirety. And we can get into it more, but I think the ways that the sweaty penguin tries to make issues less overwhelming, humor is just one of a few strategies we have. Uh, There's a lot more to it. And certainly I think our humor is a little different from those shows humor because we're also just not advocating specific solutions. We're really just trying to explain what's going on, put all the options on the table and let our listeners uh, think about it. Oh, I I appreciate that because I had a bit of a meltdown two or three episodes ago where I went to war with John Oliver because there was a piece that he put out on plastics, which totally hinders the conversation when you're trying to be a diplomat, you're trying to convince people that, you know, there's there's nothing sinister of what we're trying to do. A lot of people in our environmental group have been labeled, you know, to be like, you know, not okay, the traditional tree huggers. But then we were like, you know, like we're just looking to wreck the world, you know, that we don't understand economy. And I said, guys, we understand economy much more than you do. What if a box could change the world? Every day, face masks and other PPE waste are flooding our landfills. 
What if we could take that waste, sterilize it, and turn it into new useful products? And what if the key was a box? At Lifecycle Revive, we make this magical box. And more. Here's how it works. Look for one of our black and white Lifecycle Revive boxes in your community, or sign up to have postage prepaid boxes delivered to your home. Instead of throwing masks or other PPE in the trash, toss it in the box. When a box fills up, it goes back to our facility, where it's sterilized and turned into all kinds of products, like healthcare supplies, PPE, and masks. Then the cycle begins again. Get your box at www.lifecyclerevive.ca or call 548-885-3748. Life Cycle Revive. A perfect circle. In a box. So that segues to, to a lot of the episodes that you've done and, and the premise of your show. So let, let me ask you, um, now that you've, you've set the tone, you are educating the world. You are, you are entertaining the world as well. Uh, what do you find, because you've started during COVID, and we are hopefully, knock on wood, getting out of COVID, <laughs> into World War III, so there's a transition. What do you think the challenges in, in our field in this uh, climate change issue is the, the things that we should be seeing on the radar? Oh my gosh, there's so much to climate change. Whenever <laughs> people always ask me like, oh, do you think you're going to run out of topics soon? I'm like, not even close. Are you kidding me? <laughs> this is a very sustainable podcast premise, to use the word. I think what I tend to focus on with climate change in terms of the glaring issues, obviously, a lot of extreme weather. Uh, we're seeing heat waves, hurricanes, wildfires, droughts. The list goes on. We see, we did a mosquitoes episode recently, which I think was pretty eye opening for me. I didn't realize mosquitoes are the world's deadliest animal because of the malaria and dengue and all these other diseases they spread that increases due to climate change. The climate change really affects each and every part of our lives in ways that some of us notice, some of us don't. And ultimately, we will have to try to mitigate so that we can have a future as close to what we have now as maybe not today now, but you know what I mean? As close to what we like about what we have now as we can, but also figure out how to adapt to all of these changes. So we always try to look at these issues and figure out, all right, this is maybe a bit of an overwhelming problem, but how can we actually improve on this? How can we create a future that we can live with and we can maybe stop the bleeding? All right. And I guess the the, the next topic is that is there a topic of all the topics that you've been dealing with lately or have from the beginning? Is there a topic that keeps you up at night? Like, is there something that really worries you that? And we're not talking about war and stuff, but just like in this in this field. Yeah, if we stay within climate change, perhaps the most worrisome news as of late was the Thwaites Glacier news back in December. So there's this giant glacier the size of Florida that has been being held back uh, from falling into the ocean by an ice shelf. Uh, so this is on the coast of Western Antarctica. And in December, scientists presented that they had noticed there were cracks forming in the ice shelf. And these cracks would probably shatter within the next five years. And then this glacier would be on a trajectory to fall into the ocean. You think about if you drop an ice cube the size of Florida into your glass of water, what's going to happen? So 
that's concerning. That meant a lot of our sea level rise projections were actually very low. This was phrased at a worse than worst case scenario. That said, it's still not the end of the world. I think watching the movie Don't Look Up in January, I was a little disappointed at the fact that it was comparing climate change to a meteor hitting the earth in six months and wiping out all of humanity. That's not what this is. Climate change is something that is gradual. It is regional. I mean, it's global, but it's regional in its impact. And it's something that we can mitigate and we can adapt to. Obviously, there will be a lot of economic hits, a lot of lives lost, unfortunately, a lot of issues with health and justice, but we're not all dying because of this. And I think keeping that in perspective makes even scary news like the Thwaites Glacier something that I can wrap my head around, I can be worried about, but at the same time, I can know, all right, first off, how fortunate are we that we have scientists that can figure out that that's going to happen? And with that information, now we can understand how sea levels will rise differently and try to adapt to it in the future. All right. So I'm going to, I'm going to switch gears here and I don't, I, I, I know you probably don't want me to, to label you or put a name on you. And, and so I'll give you the opportunity to label yourself, but like, I know that uh, on this show on sustainability and circular economy, uh, we've had some guests on who have really embraced the idea that the future of what we need to do is sustainability and 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 a circular economy. Re- resurrect the the that naughty plastics that are there. And some of your guests have mentioned that in in their in their shows with you. So I, I want to take you in, in our words. So I, should I paint you with the evil brush and just call you an environmentalist, or are you, or is there a, are you a different rubric? Because I know I've been pretty harsh on the Greta Thunbergs of the world and, and others who just are environmentalists, but they're like, you know, gloom and doom. There's no solution. Any idea that's not theirs is, is, and you know, it it becomes then just a a gigantic, a gigantic ego trip on who's right and who's wrong. But are you an environmentalist or what would you characterize your title? Depends on how you define the term. And that's, what's tricky about it. I think to me, my goal has always been to, inform people, help engage them with climate issues, and hopefully find some common ground between people more on the left and people more on the right, which um, at least in terms of talking to friends and feedback from listeners, that's kind of what I'm accomplishing. So in terms of specific solutions to climate, I really don't have much stake in it. I want us to do something, but whatever that may be, fine with as long as everyone else is and as long as it's making progress. So that's kind of a big part of why I have never really gotten into the activism and protests. I First off, I'm just not good in large crowds, so there's that. But if you listen to my podcast, you'll see what I really love doing is going into the nuance of all these issues, figuring out, all right, there's pros and cons to every single solution. The problem has all these different aspects. Maybe something you thought about the problem was a misconception that happens to me almost every week. And that's hard to put on a sign. That's hard to put in a tweet. And so that may be why I've felt like I'm taking a very different path from a lot of the other young people who are doing environmental work. And I don't want to act like my path is better. I think that's awesome. If these people want to take this approach, certainly they're finding a big audience with it. But 
this is what made sense for me to try to bring in a new audience of people and explore the issues in this more uh, nuanced and critical way. Right. But that, that's clear. That's clear. And then, and that, that is evident. And one of the reasons, and I still endorse people, please tune in and, and listen to Ethan's uh, podcast here. You will be educated and entertained, which is something that I really strive to find in, in a good podcast. So as we, as we uh, come to the end here, so let me just ask you th- this question and I'll ask it because you are, we'll, we'll call you the journalistic voice of, of this issue. And I'm an entrepreneurial voice of this. And this is the reason why I have my podcast. So for those who are out there who are podcasting in this space right now, in environmental, in nature, in self, you know, in, in sustainability, there's a lot of them. I've seen them on, on Apple podcasts. What advice can you give us in, in regards to the message? And what advice can you give us on, on how to be better? Because I think the sweaty penguin does give us a, a direction of hope. And I think hope is needed in this time. I had a conversation yesterday with some other journalists who were we were talking about climate fatigue, in part on reporting and in part on how audiences uh, perceive it. And it's a very real thing when you're working with issues this challenging. How do you do that every day? And how do you present that to your audience in a way where they'll want to engage with it and not just kind of shut things off? So. What I was kind of talking about in this conversation, first off, what we very often lose sight of, we have started working on climate change. In the United States, emissions peaked in 2007. They've dropped 12% since then. Uh, Coal use for electricity has dropped by 58%, I think. And if we look globally, the recent IPCC report was saying that we're on track to warm by three degrees Celsius, which is too much. But at the same time, in 2015, when the Paris Agreement was signed, we were on track to warm by four degrees Celsius. And based on current pledges, we would be down to, I think, around 2.3 or something. So you can see we're moving. We're not just standing still. I think it often seems like we need to start acting. We've started. We just got to pick up the pace. On top of that, I think it's good to remember that we're not trying to solve climate change. We're just trying to get climate change under control. Um, I think that can often be what makes climate overwhelming for people is to think, oh, climate change is here right now. We need to stop this. But how can we stop it? Because it's already happening. If we just think about how do we create a future that we can live with, then it gets a whole lot less overwhelming, in my view. And that's pretty much uh, the, you know, the answers that we want to hear. Like I, I, I think that you've got the right direction, and and thank you for for putting us in that in that mindset. So I'm gonna say again, thank you, Ethan Brown, host of the Sweaty Penguin Antarctica's hottest podcast. I'd like you to tune in to listen to his podcast. They're they're very exciting. Everything, like I said, from from brownfields and 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 an episode on mercury to you know lab meat you know and and it's not what you think and it would be something interesting to to tune into Ethan thank you very much for being with us on on the podcast uh, is there anything I know you're you're available where most podcasts are found Apple's Google Spotify uh, any other uh, places that our our um, our listenership should be tuning into to learn from you and and be guided by you 
Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Andy. Uh, Sweaty Penguin, like you said, all those platforms. We're also at thesweatypenguin.com, where we've also got some more and more web content articles and quizzes and lists and all that fun stuff for you. Also, if you want to support the show even further, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash thesweatypenguin. There we have merch, bonus content, um, a whole bunch of fun stuff. And our partners are at pbs.org slash Promise. Fantastic. Ethan, thank you again. Take care. And we'll just segue out and uh, we'll be back after these messages. I hope you enjoyed that episode today on the Sustainably Circular podcast. If you love what you heard, subscribe to the show on whichever podcast platform you're tuning in from. Much like this show, Andy and the team love getting into the good and the bad and everything in between. So feel free to express yourself in the reviews of the show and we will give you a shout out on the next episode. If the episode made you think of someone that needs to hear this message, take a screenshot, send them a message or discuss it with them over coffee. Leaders are the best givers. And after all, we're all in this together. In case you want to learn more about how we can help you with PPE recycling, please visit our website at www.meahealth.ca. Once again, it's www.meahealth.ca. We appreciate you and can't wait for you to join us for the next episode.